Have you ever encountered a hurdle with launching or growing your business? Listen, there are two things that run a business, the back end and your soft skills. Telling you right now, if these aren't in place, you'll lose clients and you'll lose money. You don't want that? Well, you're in the right place. Hey, I'm Dana. Hey, I'm Sarah. We're your hosts of the Entrepreneur Encounter, and we're going to give you a behind the scenes glance into our businesses, give you genuine feedback, tips and tricks, plus occasionally bring on guests that care about supporting you to grow your business organically and nurturing authentic relationships. Are you ready? Welcome back, entrepreneurs. We are so excited to change gears a little bit and return it back to what we talk about all the time is communication. But this episode, we're going to kind of take it a little bit deeper and having an open door policy and why that matters and why it's important. Whether you're an employee, a contractor, like, have you really ever thought about why people leave companies? What's the biggest number one reason why people leave companies or are constantly changing organizations, no matter what industry you're in? My husband is going through something similar. I will go into full details, but when Sarah shared this very scary statistic, it really resonated in more ways than one. Like I know when I was in college and working at various hotels, that was the main reason that I left was I didn't feel like there was an open door communication policy. So for those that are not aware of what that is, an open door policy is a communication style between those you manage and those you work with, allowing team members to speak about the workplace personal issues, professional encounters, it all boils down again to communication and that people should have a safe space to share not just their wins and their successes, but things that are bothering them. Because I can't tell you enough that something that happens in my personal life would 100% affects my professional life. My projects don't get done as quickly or to the best quality if things are going haywire away from my desk. So imagine for a minute what would happen if in your organization, whether you are your own CEO or you work for someone else, and there wasn't an open door policy or rather a lack of communication. Really think about what that feels like. Are you currently going through that? So, Sarah, do we have an open door policy? I believe we do. (laughs) We are a team. We are collaborating together. We are helping each other out. And I feel as, yeah, we come from different backgrounds. We do different things in our business, but we are working together on this podcast. We help each other with ideas. We talk about the workplace. We talk about our personal issues. And if we are having an issue, what can we do to resolve that issue? So yeah, we definitely have an open door policy because I think we have communication. And I really think that's important because if you don't have that, then really, like, what's the point? I mean, that's with any relationship you have. I want to share with this scary statistic, the number is pretty high. 86% of team members say the lack of collaboration and communication is where the failure happens. And the main reason why failures happen in the workplace because of the lack of communication, the lack of open door policy. It doesn't matter if you're a contractor. It doesn't matter if you're an employee. The open door policy should happen. Like if you have a contractor that's a virtual assistant or whoever that's working with you five hours a month, 
you still need to have that line of communication to where they're able to come to you and be like, hey, like this is what's going on, whatever the case may be. One thing that I put in with my VAs, because I'm slowly growing my team, is everyone that I hire, honestly, doesn't have a virtual assistant background. <laughs> so a lot of the platforms they've never even seen or heard of before. I try to make it as crystal clear as possible that when they start working to, one, use the resources that I have. In this case, there literally is not a doubt question because they have no idea what these platforms are, how to utilize them or any other thing that's related to it other than maybe a Google calendar. But like they've never used HoneyBook before. Most of them have never heard of it. None of them have heard of ClickUp. So even though to me, they're simple platforms, I've had two years ahead of them to use them. I've also used similar platforms when I worked in my nine to five. So they know that if things are going wrong, they can't get to something, they can talk to me. That's the whole team building that I'm working towards is if one person has like a sick kid pop up or in the case of this week, we had a really bad rain thunderstorm and a tree fell and there's an active power line down in her house. Like she couldn't get into her house while she was waiting on the fire department, whoever else came out. Obviously, she's not working. (laughs) So we're going to step in and make sure that her tasks get done so that she doesn't have the stress of all of that on top of everything else. It's just, I don't want ever want my team to feel like they can't tell me or that I'm going to be frustrated with them. Is it frustrating if things don't get done? Yes. But if I know that ahead of time, I can easily pivot to ensure deadlines are met, as opposed to now I have to go to my client and say, I'm sorry, here's 10 reasons why this didn't happen and the ball was dropped. But if I know about if they communicate early, we can make make sure things move smoothly. When I started a couple of years ago freelancing, one of my first clients that I had, there was a task that she gave to me that I wasn't sure of. Like, obviously, this is my first time being on the online space. So all of these like words and terminologies, I didn't understand. I come from like a case manager background, was in the office from nine to five and stuff like that. So like the online space was so new to me. And I remember when she gave me like projects to work on, I would ask her questions. I was like, hey, is this how you want it done? Because she didn't really give me any direction. And then at the end of the day, she just ended up doing it because apparently I was asking too many questions. But see, when you have somebody on your team that is new, yes, they may have some type of background that works with what you're doing. But if somebody new is coming on and doesn't know exactly what it is, of course, they're going to ask questions. And that's to me, like you said, Dana, I would rather you ask me a thousand questions to make sure that you are doing the task right. Absolutely, it takes a lot of the stress away. Yeah, for sure. If there was something that we were working on together and you're like, hey, like, I don't understand this, then I would show you how to do it. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, I'm just going to do it myself. Forget about it. No, like, I feel as when we have a team, like, we're the leader. We got to lead by example. So it's a teaching opportunity for leaders. So basically, like, the benefits are higher engagement because if you are not leading by example and you're not communicating with your team and not having that open door policy, that engagement is going to go down. Your team, whoever you're working with, ultimately is not going to want to come to you for anything because now they're afraid that you're just probably going to end up shutting them down. So it's definitely beneficial to have that open door policy. I think it overall, from what I've noticed and witnessed, not just with my organization, but with others that I watch and essentially admire how they run their teams, 
It boosts morale. It's very evident that there is a positive environment and it's appealing to want to work with them. So their teams, when a new role is opening up or there's expansion and they need just some, any kind of like lower level support, it's appealing. It's going to encourage your current team to find others. They're not going to leave for the long term. That did happen in mine. So one of my virtual assistants, I was talking to her about taking on another client or getting someone to kind of take over some client work for me so I can get back to my role as CEO. And she, within the day, had someone that was interested in wanting to fill that gap. But if I didn't have this open communication, I didn't have this positive environment of reinforcing the relationship and teaching model, that would not have happened. We wouldn't be nearly as efficient as we are. And the relationships, the collaboration wouldn't be as effective. So I'm curious, Dana, do you think that because you're a contractor, you should not have an open door policy? Because the conversations that I'm having, the conversations that I see back and forth is, you know, you get employee versus contractor. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. obviously, like if you're in the corporate world and you have a team of five, 10 people, of course, you should have an open door policy. But now if we talk about like contractors, do you think that we should still give that open door policy to the people that we work with? I would say yes, just because whether they're on your full-time payroll or it's contracted, there's still feedback and collaboration that has to happen to get stuff done. So I think it is beneficial to have, at least if the owner of the company is not available or has the space for that, then there needs to be like a director of operations, even if that's contracted that is available for that communication to happen because work still has to get done. Feedback is still needed. Resources are still needing to be created and streamlined so that everything runs smoothly, no matter how they are on your payroll. It's still there. So yeah, I agree with you. So I ended up creating like this program for one of the clients that I have to cultivate like team success. Because obviously, like the owner, she's out in the field all the time, but she has a team of like 13 and she wants that, the open line of communication, that open door policy and whatnot. So I've come in and creating that line of communication so that like the feedback and trying to figure out like what's needed within the team, what could be taken away. And it seems as that even though they're contractors, most of the majority of them are now engaging more and like having that line of communication. So like you were saying, if you're a CEO and you're out in the field all the time, there may be times that you're not going to be able to be available for your team. So yeah, you should have somebody that's like the middleman, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I dream of the day. <laughs> I'm my own director of operations, middleman. Just because I feel like that's my level of success is I'll be able to completely delegate all of the things and everything still runs smoothly. But it also means mentally I have accepted that I can delegate and it's going to be okay. That is something I struggle with, is, which I think is why I rely on communication. Because not that I don't trust them, but I stress heavily that it's not going to be done the same way that I do, even though there's SOPs, even though... We have the communication channels open. I'm just still stressed about it in the back of my mind. 
Oh, yeah. It's funny that you say that a couple of weeks ago, one of my clients, she had ended up going out of state, like to a convention for four days. And in the back of her mind, like she even told me we had a meeting last week and she's like, I was stressing. I was having anxiety. I was like, I don't know if things were getting taken care of and this and that. It's not that she didn't think I could do it. She just didn't know if she was going to be bombarded with questions. And like there was like this high stress level for her. And she came back and guess what? She had no emails from me or from the team or anything because I was able to make sure that everything got done smoothly. And I told her, I was like, exactly. Now you can go next time you go on vacation, you like, you don't have to have that high stress level. So one day, one day. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if your gears are turning, our listeners about how to create an open door policy, I think the first step is to reach out to your current team members and create like some sort of questionnaire where you can gather feedback. I mean, if you have a team of one, it's not going to be anonymous. <laughs> You're going to know who it came from. So create just a space to have that. Like Sarah and I are just a team of one. So there's no point in doing a survey. But if you have more than one team member, create some sort of Google form, a job form or any other platform you have. Send it out to them. Make it anonymous if you feel like that would be better served and have them share with you like how communication is going, how they feel about the resources that are provided. Are they struggling anywhere? Is anything going on in their personal life that could be affecting their work? Are there things that they want to learn about so that they can level up their skills to either do more work for you or take on different projects? If that's something that would align with your business, then go through the feedback, really think about it, and then create the resources and tools that you need. And maybe even move people around to different clients that better align with their skill set and their availability. Another thing, too, that is important is setting boundaries. Like when you're creating the open door policy, you can imagine as like just a doc. I was going to say like a manual of some sort. Just to kind of have it lined out too, but like setting boundaries, meaning just because you have a line of communication open, the open door policy doesn't mean that you need to gossip. That's not what it's there to set in place for. So the whole gossip thing at work, there's no need to do that. It doesn't need to be casual chatting because I remember when I was obviously working in office, the team that I worked with would just go to the manager's office and just casual chit chatting. That is not what we mean by open door policy. You can even set office hours because again, like us as business owners, CEOs, whatever title you have for yourself, you're busy. So make sure that if you can to have a set, hey, like I'm available from nine to two, Monday and Tuesday. These are the days that you can contact me. Also have plans in place for conflicts. You know, like not necessarily like conflicts between like team members or your clients, but like if a problem comes up, if something happens, do you have like a plan set in place for that? I'm going to compare it to something like the emergency national center, wherever we're like, I know we have like the hurricane center here in Florida, but uh, they obviously set plans in place. So in case something happens, they have the plan set in place. So I know like we talk about, don't think about like the what ifs, Or what if this happens? What if this happens? But there are probably certain issues that you might have to consider so that you have a plan in place to make sure that you're able to resolve that conflict. As a planner (laughs) from the event space, 
I would 100% agree with having something like that. There's always contingency plans, especially with weddings and private events. You have your initial timeline, but there are definitely like during the setup phase where there's plans and backups and then backups to the backups because you just don't know if something can go wrong, it will. And that's true in any business, whether it's customer service side, whether it's marketing, any other area of your business. So definitely have some sort of plan. So I always recommend, and I'm working on a project with a nonprofit right now, of drafting and compiling all the data that we need to build out their board member orientation, like SOP, how that looks, how they get onboarded, how to recruit them. There's a training manual for their volunteers, but it's not going to be very simple in this act of, oh, watch this one video and all right, you're ready to go and facilitate a workshop. Well, what happens if the tent goes down? What happens is, and this is nonprofit with children. So what happens if like the children are running around crazy and they're, the library goes on lockdown? That's a worst case scenario. But these are things that we need to be mindful of because you definitely don't want to be caught off guard and then they're looking at you, the head volunteer, to lead this thing and have to take care of some emergency. I mean, it can be as simple as like, what happens if a kid falls down and scrapes their knee? Right. I mean, yes, get a Band-Aid, but like there still needs to be steps elsewhere to like document it and make sure that you're covered and like legally safe. And so that's where the office hours are important because then you can have that conversation. They even kind of guide the feedback, those office hours, so that you can prevent the gossip and casual chatting. So like, if it gets off course, how are you going to steer it back? Like that's something to really think about because sometimes like water cooler chat, like it just kind of tangents off and you got to be able to bring it back mm -hmm. so that it stays productive and it's not just like bitch fest, basically. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying that isn't often needed. Let me rephrase that because I have vented to my bookkeeper specifically because I just need to get it off of my chest. Now that's productive, but I also know to keep it on par. Like I'm not just going to unload all the things and like, what was me? I specifically vent about the things that are bothering me, but then she is an amazing coach and I'm obviously not a bookkeeper. But she spins it around and asks me questions so that I'm not just venting. I'm now, okay, well, this is obviously what's bothering me. How am I going to fix it? It's not, a, it doesn't turn into a woe is me pity party. It's, all right, I'm mad about my kids being potty trained. We'll just start with that one. <laughs> so, life away from the desk. But then she's like, well, what are you doing right now? And how can you fix that? And so a lot of it is adjusting my schedule so that I can every 20 minutes Make sure that girl sits on the bun, which means I need to hire virtual assistants to join my team to take over more client work. So I have the space to do that. And then hopefully when she's potty trained, I can step back in <laughs> to doing more of that. And I don't have to delegate nearly as much. But if we have got to get through this phase. I swear. <laughs> so, yeah. So like you are planning ahead your content or planning ahead for the podcast or whatever. Just like you have to think ahead because things are going to happen that we don't know are going to happen. I think also as a CEO of a business or maybe a manager, if you're in the corporate world, and there's a good ending point, is getting into this space of having uncomfortable conversations. Like when you first start with an open door, open communication policy, it can feel a bit daunting and overwhelming because 
you're going to ask people, you have to be ready for negative feedback and you have to be willing to pivot and adjust your systems if you want a long-term successful business. Because one, it's expensive to train a team. To constantly train up new members, constantly to recruit is expensive. It is cheaper to have them there long-term and to fix the problems that they have. It's uncomfortable to hear about people's personal lives, but if that's the type of environment that you want to have, which I do, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Like, are you going through a divorce? That's a hard, heavy thing to deal with. Is your child sick and in the hospital? How are you going to support them Continue to help them make ends meet, but also like provide that space where they can relax and take care of these things that are immediately bothering them or on their plate. That just from a personal professional and anywhere else in between, be ready as the person that is creating this policy for those types of things. Well, we thank you all for listening and tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Remember, soft skills aren't just some fluffy buzzwords that get thrown around in the corporate world. They're the key to unlocking your full potential as a professional and a human being. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself and seek out opportunities to improve your soft skills. Sarah and I have a variety of workshops, online courses, and complimentary clarity calls for you to practice in real time with us. Links are always in the show notes. And be sure to join us next time for more insights, tips, and tricks to help you succeed in your entrepreneur encounter.